of wet and wildness. Let them be left, oh let them be left, wildness and wet. Long live the weeds and the wilderness yet. I didn't make that one up. I didn't think you did. Who was it? I'm just um, curious. Uh, Gerard Manley Hopkins. Oh, nice. Yeah. Yeah. Welcome wheat and weeds. Yeah. Thanks for coming to the House of Mercy. It's good to see you here. Yes, I concur. Everybody, let's say hello to the uh, Grievous Angel, Grand Old Grievous Angel Band. Good to see you. A soccer game? I don't. I have no idea. Is it, there are a lot of? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, there's always a soccer game somewhere. That's true. That's true. And we have a great guest artist today. Yeah, yeah um, I believe Angel is going to bless us with the song. All right, excellent. Well. Hey, um, I was wondering how the camping trip was oh, this yeah, weekend. Oh yeah, that's true. How was the camping trip? Anybody? Do we get a, anybody? Give us a little report. Yeah, come on. Oh hey, there you go. Yeah. We love a report on the camping trip. Yeah. You know? <clears throat> Are we both at the camping trip? Oh, yeah. All right. Excellent. Well, tell us all about it. What was the best part of the camping trip, Helena? What happened? Swimming. Swimming? Oh, yeah. Uh, I heard uh, pooping in the woods was another highlight for some. Uh, <laughs> I personally enjoyed hanging around, out around the campfire and playing some games with folks. Um, someone asked me this morning in our tent if we would do it again and if we could go longer. And I said, yes, we should do it again next year, and no, we will not go for more than three days. <laughs> so thanks to everybody who came out, um, and we hope to see you next summer yeah. at right. our House of Mercy group camping. All right, thank you thank very you. much. Yeah. Report on the camping trip. Hey, if you happen to see a announcement go out about what's happening next week, I think it was called Waterfest, just erase it from your mind. Yeah. We're not going to do it there. Um, there's not enough water. <laughs> no, sorry, yeah. But, uh, but it's going to be a great service next week. Actually, you should really come. So, um, yeah, you should, don't miss it. Yeah, no, we'll have regular no, service. Uh, sincerely, yeah, don't yeah. miss it, yeah. But All right. just as normal. Don't miss it as normal. 4.30 yeah. here. All right, excellent. Well, this is uh, the House of Mercy, and welcome to it.
gems be gathered so let us all press on when Jesus comes to claim us and says it is enough God of mercy, though we try sometimes, we aren't always able to receive, aren't able to feel the spirit of loving kindness, serene wisdom, infinite mercy flow into us and out of us because we're tired or frustrated or anxious or angry. But now as we sit here in your loving gaze, melt away our resistance, or make a small crack in whatever is keeping us locked up. Open us to the love and the mercy. Amen. May the peace of Christ be with you. Let's pass the peace. Please give a warm house of, house of mercy. Welcome to Angel. Um, hello again. Uh, we're going to try it again. I, I lost my voice a little while back and it hasn't fully come back. So anytime Russell or Debbie asks me to sing, it's like, I'll give it a try. So, it's always a little, not scary like I'm nervous, but just like I don't know what's going to happen. Like I don't have a lot of control over it in the same way. Um, but as we all know, a beloved songstress passed away this week and so Russell asked if I'd sing a song a cappella. In my mind I thought we'd all sing this together and I would still love that and I see that it's a little sparse today so you know if you feel brave I, I feel like most people know the words to this song or many people um, but I just remember when the video came out for Nothing Compares to You um, it was just unlike any other video at the time because it was, it was sparse, and it was just Sinead O'Connor and the black turtleneck, a light, just singing, like, not at all with the production of most of the videos at the time, um, and just such a beautiful song. I also sang this song right after Prince died, and I did not make it through. <laughs> but, you know, I feel, now that I say that, uh, but please join in. Um, we'll see what happens. Yeah. It's been seven hours and fifteen days since you took your love away. I'm going to start it a little higher. That seems better. So when you don't sing with a band, like sometimes you can just stop and restart, you know. It's been seven hours and fifteen days since you took your love away. I go out every night and sleep 
Since you took your love away Since you've been gone I can do whatever I want I can see whomever I choose I can eat my dinner in a fancy restaurant But nothing I said nothing can take away these blues Cause nothing compares Nothing compares to you It's been so lonely without you Like a bird without a song Nothing can stop these Lonely tears from falling well, Tell me baby Where did I go wrong? I could put my arms around every boy I see, but they'd only remind me of you. I went to the doctor and guess what he told me? Guess what he told me? He said, girl, you better try to have fun no matter what you do. But he's a fool. Cause nothing compares Nothing compares to you All the flowers that you planted, Mama In the backyard All died when you went away I know that living with you, baby, was sometimes hard But I'm willing to give it enough There we go. <clears throat> I know that living with you, baby, was sometimes hard but I'm willing to give it another try Cause nothing compares Nothing compares to you Nothing compares Nothing compares to you Nothing compares Nothing compares to you I invite you to join me now in the prayers of community.
Let's pray. Merciful creator, the weeds aren't really even growing in the drought and unprecedented heat all over the world. We pray for resilience, resilient plants, innovative farmers, new ideas about what to grow and eat, how to sustain and nurture life on this planet. We pray for the will in all of us, but even more in the powerful fossil fuel conglomerates to change, the will to change. Clucked out the causes of sin, but we pray for an end to the fires. God, in your mercy. Steadfast lover of all, give us faith that the weeds that grow in our hearts or psyches or souls won't completely snuff out the fruit and flowers. We're not always very good or very gracious or kind. We aren't always even very fair. We don't even know often what is best for the others all around us. We're so mixed, full of terrible impulses and beautiful desires and stunted emotions, judgment and mercy and love. Help us trust that you will help us flourish. Give us what we need to love and may that trust free us, keep us moving and opening and doing what we can to love what is all around us to water and feed and care for what needs us. God, in your mercy. God of mercy, we're grateful for this place among each other where we can be who we are, making mistakes, growing and receding, free to be humans, attempting to love and believe in goodness and mercy, sometimes failing, sometimes feeding each other excellent food. Thank you for the house of mercy. Keep sending us your love. God, in your mercy. We pray for healing. If we are in deep ruts that we can't climb out of, whether we made them or fell into them or someone pushed us, give us a lift out of patterns, scripts, habits, and routines that don't give us life, that keep us from blossoming. Water us with your delicious, everlasting life. God, in your mercy. We pray for healing, or for whatever it takes to get by, for all those contending with emotional, spiritual, and physical pain, for the lonely and broken and addicted and depressed, we pray for healing. God, in your mercy. Hear us now as we bring to you our prayers and our confessions as we pause for silence. Thank you for your mercy. Amen.
tonight comes from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 13, verses 24 through 30 and 36 to 43. He put before them another parable. The kingdom of heaven may be compared to someone who sowed good seed in his field. But while everybody was asleep, an enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and then went away. So when the plants came up and bore grain, then the weeds appeared as well. And the slaves of the householder came and said to him, Master, did you not sow good seed in your field? Where then did these weeds come from? He answered, An enemy has done this. The slaves said to him, Then do you want us to go and gather them? But he replied, No, for in gathering the weeds you would uproot the wheat along with them. Let both of them grow together until the harvest. And at harvest time I will tell the reapers, Collect the weeds first, and bind them in bundles to be burned, but gather the wheat into my barn. Jesus told the crowd all of these things, and without a parable, he told them nothing. This was to fill what had been spoken through the prophet. I will open my mouth to speak in parables. I will proclaim what has been hidden since the foundation. Then he left the crowds and went into the house, and his disciples approached him, saying, Explain to us the parable of the weeds of the field. He answered, The one who sows the good seed is the son of man. The field is the world, and the good seed are the children of the kingdom. The weeds are the children of the evil one, and the enemy who sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age, and the reapers are angels. Just as the weeds are collected and burned up with fire, so will it be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send his angels, and they will collect out of his kingdom all causes of sin and all evildoers, and they will throw them into the furnace of fire, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their Father. Let anyone with ears listen. The Word of God. Is this a weed? Is that a weed? I can't even tell if this is a flower or a weed. We moved into a new house about 18 months ago, my family and me. We moved in November. There was snow on the ground, deep snow, icy sidewalks, plow-piled banks along the curb, like so high. I mean, when I imagined carrying every piece of furniture up and over those icy barriers, it seemed almost insurmountable 
to me like Fitzcarraldo on ice. I have moved many times in all kinds of weather, but I was much younger then, stronger, I like to think, but also broke and without any other options than to do it myself. But I am older and wiser now, older meaning I could afford to hire movers and wise enough no longer to ask my friends to help me move. We lived in our house at 1148 Selby for 25 years. And if you've ever made a similar move, you know when you move out of a place you've been in that long, there is just so much crap. So much crap that you have to go through and you have to make decisions about so many little decisions about stuff you didn't even know you had anymore. All the stuff that we've been shoving up in our attic for the last 25 years and just have to go through and say, should we keep this? Why did we ever keep this? You know, there were boxes up there sealed from when we moved in and never opened, you know? So we clearly uh, didn't need any of that stuff in the last 25 years. I don't even know what it is. So then when the strong young movers delivered all the furniture and carried all those boxes, so many boxes, I'll tell you, I had to leave when they were carrying in the books and the record boxes. I just couldn't watch. I felt so bad. You know, I, as a matter of fact, I felt so bad. I was so empathetic that my back still hurts. So many things to think about. When you move in, finally, you, get, you move in there and you see everything and you just have to think, well, okay, well, where does, where does this go? Or, I mean, you get to hang your art on the wall, which is nice, and put things, decide where to keep it now. And it's kind of weird to put your stuff from your house into this new place that you've gone in. And some things just don't fit. Some things just don't work there. Um, so yeah, we have lived there for 25 years and all our kids stuff, those boxes of that, deciding do we get rid of it or keep it. Let me just say this, uh, I just hope my kids don't ever want to come and look at their artwork from grade school. It might be hard to find. But yeah, we move everything in the garage and and but still, things are not unpacked 18 months later. There's so many things, so many things we never ever could find. Literally, we have yet to find our silverware. I had to go to Target and buy, you know, I just bought the cheapest one I could because we still haven't found it. We don't know where it is. Um, and then there's other stuff that seemed like it was never ours. We're like, do you recognize this? No. Um, then, then the garage, there's still so many boxes out there in the garage, and I don't know what's in them. I mean, I don't miss them. You know, you're just so tempted to just take that box unsealed without ever looking in it and just toss it. I can't do it, but, well, there was a box that I was sure was genie stuff, I tossed that, but I don't know what was in it, but. Oh. So, all that stuff we have to think about when you move like that. We were able to weed a lot of stuff out. And, uh, but all the things we had to think about, one thing that we never th thought about when we moved in was the yard, because it was winter, frozen. You know, the sidewalks, we 
paid attention to them, shoveled them. But the garden, the front yard, you know, the boulevard, the space back along the fence, it was all just snow, you know, all the same snow. But eventually the snow started melting. I think it was late June. And uh, the yard began to emerge. You know, first just that ugly stage where it's like dirty ice disappearing into the muck and the mud of the lawn. And dog poop just deposited and frozen solid or like over the last nine months thawing, returning to its uh, original form. And then through that ugly stage, things start coming up. Things we never planted, we never saw the yard. We didn't know what would come up. We didn't plan any of these things. Things that we'd never seen start coming up. And we see irises, beautiful, love them. Tulips, Jeannie and I disagree about their beauty, but uh, it was nice having bleeding heart, you know, up along the fence, I love it. And hostas, hostas like crazy. I mean, I can't even believe it. You know, if you need any hostas, anybody, please, come to my house, bring a bucket, I have a shovel, I'll help. So many. And then there's some things where we just could not even tell what they were. We, did, we didn't know. Things growing up and you kind of look at it. Jeannie and I just would walk around the yard and we'd point, I'd point to something and go like, is that a, like a good plant? And or she would say, yeah, is that, is that a flower? I think, or is that a weed? We basically were just walking around going like, is this a good one or a bad one? looking all around. Is that a weed or is this a weed? I mean, I can't tell if this is weed or not. And, you know, we thought maybe they had been going for maybe one of those native pocket prairie things. And so if that was what was coming up, we didn't really want to pull out a native plant, you know, have that, you know, on our consciences. Or pollinator plants, all those dead bees, because we ripped this stuff out. So uh, we weren't sure really what to do. So we've been reading from uh, the book of Matthew, chapter 13. This is our third week in it. And uh, Matthew's 13th chapter is known as the parable chapter. Because um, it does contain eight parables relatively short chapter, and two in-depth explanations of those two parables by Jesus to his disciples at their request. Yes, the disciples asked Jesus two times. Basically, they say to them, we don't get it. And two times, Jesus gives them detailed explanations of what the parable was about, which, you know, I don't know if Jesus, where Jesus went to seminary, but parables usually don't have clear explanations, is what I was always taught. But, uh, but Jesus sits down and he explains what it's, what exactly what it's supposed to mean. He quotes the Psalms, he quotes Isaiah, I guess clears everything up. He makes it plain why he speaks in parables. And after he explains why he speaks in parables, the reason is basically this, so no one can understand what he's talking about. Now, these parables uh, in this chapter, the parable chapter, are about what the kingdom of God is like. And, I'm, you know, you're a sophisticated theological bunch. I don't need to tell you that when he says kingdom of God, he's not talking about what happens when you die. He's talking about how do we live in this world 
and not live by the way of the world? What does it look like to live in that other way? What does the world look like when mercy is the rule? That's what he means when he's talking about the kingdom of God. How do we walk in the way, in the way of mercy? How in this crisis after crisis world, this impending environmental collapse, in this world of resurgent hate, how do we understand another way, a way to walk in the mercy through the way of the world, the muck and the mire of power, grotesque capital culture? This is what Jesus is trying to teach his followers with these parables. And apparently there's something about that kingdom of God that can only be communicated in a way that people can't understand what you're talking about. So today's parable is about the weeds and the wheat. You know, you just heard it, Debbie read it. Um, they uh, explain, they look at the, the garden coming up, they look at it coming up and they see weeds in with the wheat and they go to the landowner and the workers do and they say, there's weeds, should we rip them up? And the owner's like, no, I don't want you to do it because it's hard to tell which is what and they're, at this point their roots are all bound together. If you rip out what you think is a weed, you'd be ripping out the wheat everything now. So here's what I want you to do. Just let everything grow. Let everything grow, whatever it is, and then when it's grown, it'll be clear what the wheat is. We can harvest the wheat, and uh, then we can throw the rest in the fire. So uh, that's when the disciples, they come to him and say, like, yeah, we don't get it. What, what does that have to do? Because these disciples, I'll tell you what, they joined up with this Jesus because they thought he was the Messiah, and only if he's the Messiah, maybe they thought he's this, uh, he's this leader that's going to come over and he's going to throw the Romans off their back, create this great uprising, um, and they're going to be at the forefront of this whole revolution. But this far into it, they're starting to realize Jesus doesn't seem like he's that good at it. The whole revolution thing, like he's not getting an army together, he's not getting a lot of people, he's not the way he talks doesn't even seem to be inspiring people to go out and overthrow the government. And so what is this, Don't the weeds and the wheat just let, them, let everything grow? So they're like, Jesus, what? What are you saying? And then Jesus tells them what they want to hear about the judgment, because they like that part about the judgment. I mean, we all like that part about the judgment, right? I mean, of the other people. Yeah, he's like, oh, no, it's, here, let me make it clear. There's good ones and there's bad ones. And uh, you know, you're like the good ones, but you know the bad ones are, right? So we're just going to, you know, let it grow. But then we're going to take all those bad ones because those were planted by the evil one. And we're going to take those evildoers and we're going we're gonna to take all those ungodly, evildoer, bad ones. And in the end of the age, we're going to, they will all burn, burn up in the judgment. But, Jesus says, because they want that, you can't do any of that until the end of time, which is quite disappointing to them. <laughs> He's ever saying, look, yeah, okay, maybe this is all you want, this is all you can do, but you will never realize that. It's not, this is what you cannot do, all you can do is tend to those bad ones 
right alongside the good ones. Water the bad ones as much as the good ones. I mean, it's, you might even not even tell which are the bad and which is the good ones. As things were growing more and more, it became obvious that some things were clearly weeds and um, some things were very beautiful native plantings. And so we were able to, you know, weed a little bit when they're bigger, other stuff. Look, I'll be honest, a lot of it I just mowed over all of it. So, But uh, there's one section on one side of our sidewalk at the front, front sidewalk. On one side of it, there's this section and it had a lot of crazy stuff that's starting to grow. And so Jeannie and I, we decided let's just let it all grow. Let's just let it all grow, no matter, we don't know, and see what happens if it, you know. And because uh, we can't tell the difference. When they were growing up like that, the way they mixed together, we, didn't, we really couldn't tell which were the flowers and which were the weeds. Luckily, we have a neighbor who points it out to us. And uh, Jeannie was out there, not weeding, I guess, one time. And uh, this neighbor comes up and says to her, says, you know, that's a weed. And, she said, and then Jeannie said, oh, you know. And she says, uh, it does have a flower, though. And he said, a lot of weeds have flowers. It's still a weed. And she said, well, yeah, but it's a pretty one. Everything grown up together, I mean, it's really like six feet high, these things crossing each other and falling on each other and rising up in a cacophony of different colors and shapes and spikes and round pretty things. and. All together, it's kind of gorgeous. It's hard to tell the good ones from the bad ones. And I think this is what Jesus is getting at with the parable. You don't worry about it. Just let everything grow. Because maybe the flowers and the weeds are exactly what we need. Fear the hearts of men are failing. These are the latter days we know. For dread depression now is spreading. God's word declares it would be so. I'm going where there's no depression. world of toil and trouble for my home in heaven I'm going there in that good land there is no hunger no orphan children cry for bread no weeping widows toil and struggle no shrouds no cars 
in heaven, I'm going there. This world's dark midnight hour is nearing. The tribulation time will come. The storms will break in mighty fury and sweep lost millions to their doom. world of toil and trouble for my home in heaven I'm going there look up rejoice ye holy people before this awful time you fly for Christ will come as he has promised his bride will world of toil and trouble for my home in hell.